We are beginning this brand new series today called adulting. How many have ever heard that word before, adulting? You ever heard that word before? It's not really a real word. It's a made up word that came along through the whole internet age and the social media and all that kind of stuff. And yet it's kind of become a real word in society. In fact, I looked it up online, the, the definition according to Urban Dictionary of the word adulting is anything that has to do with responsibility or maturity, stuff that reminds you of adulthood, stuff like paying bills and taking care of kids and all that kind of stuff. How many know we got a lot of those kind of responsibilities in our lives, right? In fact, I mean, there's a lot of adulting that we have to do in life. I was just even thinking about it this week. Yesterday, I had to do some adulting. And man, sometimes it's just not very fun because on my car, the inspection sticker is out of date. All right. I'm just saying now it's really pretty far out of date. So don't look when you go out there in the parking lot. It really is. And so finally I decided to do the adult thing and go take it and get it fit, you know, get it up to date and all that kind of stuff. And we got to the place to do the inspection and they said, do you have your insurance? And I didn't have my insurance card. How many know that's frustrating, right? Right. And that's adulting. And that's the kind of stuff that we're going to be talking about in this series. Cause we all have stuff like that responsibilities that just require some maturity sometimes in our lives. And I thought we'd just have a little bit of fun with this. I mean, if you're going to talk about about adulting and something that is kind of an internet, social media type of things, you got to do some internet memes. And so I thought, you know, have you ever seen some adulting memes online? And so I thought I'd just bring a few of them today. Put that first one up there. It says, getting really tired of wearing pants and having responsibilities, right? That's adulting right there. Let's put that next one up there. My mom sent me $200 for my birthday, but I had to spend it on bills. Come on, right? Hashtag adulting. You feel me on that one? I like this one. So it turns out that being an adult is mostly just Googling how to do stuff. We can all relate to that. In fact, that's where I got these jokes. I just Googled them, all right? And then I like this one. It says, sometimes success is just getting the laundry into the dryer before the mildew sets in. How many can relate? In the first service, I said, how many ladies can relate? And then I got in trouble out there by the ladies. that said, men can do laundry too. Come on. Amen. And then I like this one. This is my favorite one. That horrifying moment when you're looking for an adult, but then you realize you are an adult. So you look for an older adult, someone successfully adulting, an adultier adult than you. How many can relate to that? Right. And you look around and you go, I am the adult, so I better do the adult thing. And so that's the kind of stuff we're talking about in this series. And uh, we've got a kind of a bottom line that's going to drive us through this series. It's in your notes there uh, today. And that is this, is that maturity doesn't have to be misery. Come on, right? That it doesn't have to be mature, that to be mature doesn't have to be a miserable thing. That sometimes being an adult, sometimes doing the right thing, sometimes the responsibilities and the stress and the pressures and all that. That kind of stuff can be hard, but it doesn't have to be horrible. In fact, it can actually be enjoyable and it actually can be fun. And so we're going to talk about some of these things and have some fun with it over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about some adult stuff like today. We're going to talk about marriage next week. We're going to talk about money. In fact, I'm so excited. You saw it on the video that my hero, my dad is going to be here to talk about money. And I thought, man, who could I have to come just practically talk about money? Not about giving so much, but more just about how to handle 
handle your finances and how to be responsible in that area. And I'm telling you, my dad is like the poor man's Dave Ramsey. You're not going to want to miss that. Like he's really good at that. And then we're going to talk about family issues and about parenting and really more just about like how to raise a family and lead your family. Then on the last week of this series, we're going to talk about a subject that I think is really maybe the most important subject of the whole series that we're going to talk about emotions. And how many know that sometimes as we do some of this stuff and some of the pressures and the stresses that we face in life, it can really do a lot of work on our emotions. And some of us can deal with stress. We're even going to talk a little bit about depression. And some of you may be dealing with that. I believe God's going to do a work in your lives in that way. But today we're going to kick it off by talking about a very adult subject. We're going to talk about marriage. So everybody say marriage. Now, I know that some of you are looking at me and going, wait a second, I'm not married. So that must mean I have a past today. Like I can just, I don't have to listen. I can just play on my phone and I'm good to go today. But let me just tell you something that would be a mistake. Because the fact of the matter is that even if you're not married here today, chances are one day you're going to be married, right? And the truth is that the time to work on your marriage is not after you get married. The time to work on your marriage is long before you even get married as you start to work on you. So one day you may be married and I'm going to teach you some things that are going to help you. And then some of you go, I'm not ever going to be married. And let me just tell you something today that marriage is really all about relationships, isn't it? It's a marriage relationship. So even if you're not married today, I'm going to teach you some relationship principles that I think will be a blessing and will help you. So make sure and tune in. Everybody say tune in. Now, for those of you that are married in this place, or even those of you that aren't married, let's start with a little bit of a survey here today. And you're going to have to help me out today. I'm going to start by talking to the ladies in the house. Do I have any ladies in the house today? Come on, you're going to help me out with this. How many ladies in the house would say that since you were a little girl, you dreamed of what your marriage would be like? Come on, raise your hand. Like you were little bitty and you're thinking, man, I'm looking for that perfect day. Come on, you planned it out in your mind. It's going to be the perfect day in the perfect venue with all the perfect dress and the perfect bridesmaids and the perfect flower flowers. And we're going to have the perfect wedding day. And then that perfect spouse is going to walk down the aisle and stand there. And he's going to look so perfect in his nice suit and his tuxedo. And then we're going to get married and we're going to have the perfect life together. And he's going to pick me up and he's going to just bring me across the threshold of our perfect house that was designed by Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, I got this in my mental picture of what my perfect life is going to be like with my perfect marriage and my perfect husband. He's going to rub my back every night. And I've got already in my mind the names of the kids and all of that stuff. And I don't even know the husband yet. How many would raise your hand, ladies, and say, you've had that planned out in your mind for a while, right? Since you were really, really little, right? Okay, now let me talk to the guys here today. Guys, is that how you had it? No, that's not the way you planned it. No, for the guys that went a little bit more like this, I dream that one day I'm going to get married and we're going to have sex every night and three times on the weekend. That's my dream. Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about, right? Come on. Guys representing the house, right? Now, let me ask you one more question. How many of you are still dreaming? Come on. Right. Because we know, like there are all these expectations that go into marriage and then you get married and you find out that there's real life and you are adulting, right? Come on, right? 
and there are all kinds of expectations that we bring into a marriage, but then we get into marriage and many of those expectations aren't met and it can bring all kinds of frustration and all kinds of problems and it can bring all kinds of disappointment and maybe even anger and resentment and bitterness and separation and divorce and all of those things. In fact, some of you are here today and when you found out the message was going to be about marriage, you're going, oh man, because you feel like, man, there is no hope for my marriage. Pastor, you're trying to tell me that God wants me to have a good marriage, but is it even possible to have a good marriage? And I would tell you the answer to that beyond any doubt today is yes. It is possible for you to have the kind of marriage that God intends for you to have. Let me tell you something that even though it's possible, it's not very likely. Now you're going, pastor, that sounds not very positive today. Well, let me just tell you this. It is possible to have that kind of marriage, but it's not likely if we continue to do marriage the way that we've always done marriage and the way that the world teaches us to do marriage. Because, in fact, you can just look at the statistics and you will see that 50% of every person that gets married ends in divorce. That's half. That's terrible odds. You know, in fact, if we had that kind of odds about anything else, man, we'd make some changes, wouldn't we? Like if we put our money in the bank and they told us, hey, there's a 50% chance that the money you put in the bank, you're going to lose it. You'd find another bank, wouldn't you, right? And yet we continue to do marriage the same way that we've always done it. And I believe that there is a better way. I believe that God has a better way, that he wants you to have the kind of marriage that he dreamed of you having and that you've always dreamed of having that is not going to be perfect, but it can be great if we apply God's principles to our marriage relationship. And so today we're just going to talk about, I'm going to lay some foundation, some groundwork. I'm going to give you three non-negotiables for a godly marriage, for a great marriage that God wants for you. And let me just throw out a little disclaimer before we get into it, there's no way in the next 17 minutes that I have in this message that I can tell you everything that you need about how to have a great marriage. This is not a marriage seminar. I got one sermon, one shot to give you this. And so don't think that this is an end all to end all. You're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to take what I'm hoping today is that I will inspire and give you some hope and give you a few practical things that you can take and begin to work on so that you can have the kind of godly marriage that God wants you to have. All right, deal. All right, how many want to know the three non-negotiables? You ready for this? Write this one down. Number one, the first thing you're going to have to have if you want to have the kind of marriage that God intends for you to have is you're going to have to have hope. Everybody say hope. Every godly marriage is going to be built upon a foundation of hope. And yet so many don't have any hope for the marriage. In fact, some of you are even here today and you're going, Pastor, I hear you and I know what you're trying to do, but you don't know my situation. In fact, isn't that the word that we use so many times when someone tries to give us hope, but we don't have any and we don't have, we don't want to hear it. Isn't that the words that we use? But, but yeah, you know, yeah, but right. How many know what I'm saying? Like, and I tell you, God wants you to have a great marriage. And what do you say? You say, yeah, but (laughs) yeah, but you don't know my marriage. Yeah, but you don't know my past. You don't know what we've done. You don't know how I've messed it up. You don't know the sins that I brought into marriage. You don't know the things that I've said. You don't know the things that I've done. You know, pastor, I hear you saying that God wants to give me a great marriage, but you don't know my husband. You don't know what he did. You don't know how he hurt me. You don't know that he left us and abandoned us and then he wanted to come back or that he cheated on me. And I even have biblical grounds for a divorce. I hear you saying that there's hope for me, but you don't know my wife 
Like, yeah, but pastor, you don't know what she said and you don't know what she did and how she turned the whole family against me and she even turned the kids against me and I'm so hurt and there's no way that I'm ever going to get over that. Pastor, I hear you saying that God has a great marriage for me. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good, but... You don't know, like, like we fight like crazy, like cats and dogs. We get together, it's like oil and water. It's like pouring gasoline on a fire and there is no hope for our marriage. Yeah, but pastor, like we just don't love each other anymore. I don't love him and he doesn't love me and there is no hope for me. And you say, yeah, but, but here's what I say. Yeah, but God, there's no hope for me, pastor. Yeah, but there is hope in God. Yeah, but you don't know my past. Yeah, but there is a God who can wipe the slate clean from your past and bring complete healing. Yeah, but you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know what they did. Yeah, but I know a God who can heal, a God who can restore, a God who can do the impossible. Yeah, but God, but you don't know the the fights that we have and that we just can't get along. Yeah, but I know that there is a God that Jesus came to bring peace, to break down every hostile and dividing wall and make the two become one. Yeah, but pastor, I don't love him anymore. He doesn't love me anymore. We don't love each other anymore. Yeah, but God is love and he has enough love to go around for you and your husband and he can even bring restoration in your love towards one another. You say, yeah, but I say, yeah, but God, there is hope for every single marriage in this place today. In fact, it reminds me of this story in the book of John. Jesus is traveling uh, to another city and he comes through this Samaritan town and he sits down by the well and he meets this woman and he asks the woman for a drink and she begins to talk to him and he begins to realize that this woman needs some hope in her life and so he begins to speak hope into her life and he says, hey, I want you to get me a drink but I also want to give you some hope. I want to tell you that there's actually a water that you can drink that is, that is greater than any water I could drink. It is a living water that can completely change your life and he begins to speak hope into this woman's life and she does what so many of us do. She kind of pushes back and she says, I hear you trying to give me hope but... But, but, you know, Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and you shouldn't even be talking to me. And not only that, but you don't know my life and you don't know the stuff that is happening and all of this kind of stuff. And Jesus begins to speak into her life and he says this phrase that is so powerful. Put it up there, guys. He says, if you only knew. Everybody say that out loud. If you only knew. Knew. The woman says, yeah, but you don't know all my history and all my past and all this stuff. And Jesus says, yeah, but if you only knew, if you only knew what I could do for you, if you only knew my power, if you only knew of the water that I have that you can drink, if you only knew the plan that I have for you and for your life, and some of you are here today and you go, but my marriage is too messed up and my husband is too far gone and I've done too much and it's too bad and all this. And God wants to say, but if you only knew If you only knew what I could do for you, if you only knew my plan and my power, if you only knew what I could do in your life and in your marriage, if you would just entrust it to me. Jesus begins to speak into this lady's life and he begins to share with her some stuff about her past. Remember, he says, you know, you've had five husbands and the man that you're with right now, he's not your husband. Now, you think about this for just a second. If anybody messed up the whole marriage thing, it was this lady. 
And yet God said, I still have hope for you. I still have hope for your life. I still have hope for your marriage. You see, this lady had known six men, but it was the seventh man that made all the difference. Who was that seventh man? It was Jesus Let me just tell you something. Some of you are here today and you've tried everything to have hope for your marriage. You've tried it all and nothing has brought about change. And I'm here to tell you that there is one and only one that can bring about the change that you're looking for in your marriage. And you got to find your hope in him. Your hope is not in your husband. Your hope is not in your wife. Your hope is not in the money that you make or the vacation that you're going to take together or, oh, yeah, let's have another kid and that will somehow fix our marriage issues. No, you know what that's going to do is just going to make them even worse. And you've got to decide today, I'm going to put my hope in God because he is the only hope. And you may be here today and you've got a messed up marriage, but there's hope that you can have a good marriage. And there are some of you that are here today that have a really good marriage. And there's hope that you can have a great marriage. And that hope is Jesus. So everybody say hope. If you're going to have a great marriage, it's built upon hope. Number two, though, hope is not enough. Second thing you're going to have to have is you're going to have to have some help. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, need some help. You're going to need some help because here's the deal. Hope is big, and I hope that today you leave with a hope in your heart. But let me just tell you, this hope's not enough. In fact, someone wisely once said, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is we need a strategy. We need, we need not just some hope. We need some help. And you know what that means? That means we're going to need some people to come alongside us and help us in our marriage. And you know what happens is that we tend to isolate ourselves. In fact, this is what this is what dating and courting and getting engaged and getting married actually tends to cause us to do because you think about it, before you met that special someone that you wanted to marry, you had your friends and you had your people that you surrounded yourself with, right? But then what happens when you meet that person that you just, you know, you just goo-goo eyes over them and this is the one, then what happens is that all your focus gets directed towards that person. And I've seen it so many times as a pastor that friends start to fall beside, you know, the wayside and we don't maybe do it on purpose, but our life gets so surrounded and so focused on the center of our life is that one person that we're putting our hope in. And then suddenly we don't have anybody else. And then we get married and then we try to do our marriage in isolation. And then we find struggles and difficulties and stuff that happens in our life. And there's no one there to go to when we're in those difficult parts of our lives. And if you're going to have the kind of marriage that God wants for you, you don't just need hope. You know what you need? You're going to need some help. In fact, this is what the scripture is talking about in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 9. Look what it says. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Hey, when you get married, it's going to be better. You're going to be able to do more. If either one of them falls down, and uh, one can help him up. But pity anyone who falls And has no one to help him up. You know, I think we could substitute the word marriage in there. Pity on the marriage when you fall and you don't have anyone there to help you up. There's no one there to lend you a hand. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves in a cord of three strands. Everybody say three strands. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What's this talking about? This is talking about, hey... If you're going to have the kind of life and the kind of marriage that God wants you to have, you're going to have to surround yourself with some people that can help you. Because there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. There's going to be times when you fall down and you're going to need someone to lend and help you up. In fact, there's three areas you're going to need help. If you're taking notes, write this down. Letter A, number one, whatever it is. Letter A, number one, whatever. You're going to need God's help. Everybody say God's help. 
Now, we already talked about this. He is the only hope for you and for your marriage, and you can't do it. Even just putting your hope in God, you've got to have him helping you along the way. In fact, that's why the scripture says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You know, in a marriage, you know what that third strand is? It's God. That it's you and it's your spouse. And then God is the center cord that you build your marriage around. And he will help you when you struggle. He will help you supernaturally in times when you would never make it on your own. You've got to have God's help if you're going to have the kind of marriage that God wants you to have. But not only are you going to need God's help. Number two, write this one down. You're going to need others' help. You're going to need the help from each other, from people around you because you can't do this married thing on your own. You're going to need some other married couples and some other friends and some other people who have godly and healthy marriages to stand beside you when you have those times that when you fall, they can reach down their hand and pick you up. In fact, that's why today is such an important day. Today, we launch life groups for this semester. And let me just tell you something. If you're not in a life group, then you are in danger of falling and having no one to help you up. In fact, I mean, think about this for a minute. How many of you ever watched the Discovery Channel before, right? Watch the Discovery Channel, and you know what happens when you get, you know, the antelope or whatever that's out by itself. You know that it's not going to be long. That guy's in trouble, right? Because, I mean, because the lion's going to come. And, and you, know what, you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that the enemy of our souls is a roaring lion. He prowls around looking for someone to devour. And you know who he's looking for? He's looking for the people who are isolated out all by themselves. You need people in your life. That can help you, that you can help them. You need to surround yourself. And if you're not in a life group, it's awesome because this week they launch. You can stop by the life wall today and you can see all the different groups that are available to you so that you can find one and get plugged in. Find one where you're going to have some friends and some people that you're going to pray for them and they're going to pray for you and you're going to encourage one another because you need help. Number three, write this one down. Some of you, it may, just, it may not just be that you need God's help and that you need each other's help, but you might even need some professional help. You might need the help of a good, godly Christian counselor. Now, let me just tell you something. This is not something to be ashamed of. In fact, the truth is, is that some of the issues that you might be dealing with in your marriage may not even really be marriage issues. They may be you issues, <laughs> Because the truth is we all have stuff that happened before we ever even got married that we carry around. And what do we do? We carry it into the marriage with us. And then what happens is they got their issues and you got your issues. And then all of a sudden you got a whole bunch of issues. And sometimes you got to deal with that. And before you can have a healthy marriage, you got to have a healthy me, a healthy you. And so it's okay sometimes to realize, hey, I might, I might even need to have someone who, is, who has been trained professionally to help me through these issues, to help us through this. And it's not something, sometimes it gets kind of a, a negative view that people look at going to counselor. It's not a negative thing. It's a, going, it's a recognition that I can't do this on my own. I need someone to help. And it may not even be that your marriage is messed up. It may even be that you just decide, man, we want to have the best marriage that God can possibly have in us. And so we want to ask someone to come in and to speak into that and to help us. And let me just tell you something here is if that's you, we can help you with that. 
I'm not going to help you personally. I'm not a counselor and I don't, I'm not trained to do that, but we can help you get connected with good godly counselors that we can, that we can recommend. In fact, I said this in the first service and after the first service, someone came up and said, you know what, about a year ago, you recommended me to a counselor and I went for about a year and it has changed my life completely since I began to do that. And some of you, if you would just, I mean, if you would just reach out just a little bit, God could begin to do stuff in your life that you never even dreamed. You need hope. Everybody say hope. Hope. You need help. Everybody say help. Help. Number three, you're going to need some habits. You're going to need some good, godly habits. Because here's the deal. Your life is the sum total of your habits. You will become the things that you repeatedly do. So if you want to have a new life, you know what you got to do? You got to change some habits. You got to have some new habits. If you want to have a new marriage, then guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to have some new habits in your marriage. And some of you are going, I know, I got some bad habits. Some of you are thinking about your spouse. They got some bad habits. They leave their dirty underwear on the floor. They don't put the toilet seat down. That's not what I'm talking about. Although you could change those habits as well. But I want to give you today, and in the remainder of this message, I just want to give you like a few practical things that I I believe can really change your marriage if you'll apply some of these habits. In fact, I'm going to give you four of them today. If you're taking notes, write them down. The first one is this, is you need to have this habit in in, in your life and in your marriage, the habit of communicating daily. Everybody say daily. Daily communication. How many know healthy relationships are built upon communication? I think we know that, don't we? And yet, you know, here's the truth, is that the relationship that we ought to have the most intimacy and the most communication of all the relationships tends to be the one that we have the least amount of communication. Isn't that true? I mean, marriages that, I mean, we don't talk to each other. I mean, in months and months, even years go by, and then we wonder why we're disconnected, and we wonder why we're not intimate and why we're not close. And the reason is that we're not having intimate conversations and communications with one another on a regular basis, and not just a regular basis, but a daily basis. It ought to be something that we do Every single day that we, that we spend time to intentionally communicate with one another about what's going on in our lives, what's happening spiritually in our lives, what's happening emotionally in our lives, what's happening at work, what's happening in other areas of our lives, that it ought to be something that we make this a habit on a daily basis. In fact, I heard about one, uh, one guy who decided that, man, this is so important in my marriage that what he did is he set a chair next to the bed and every night before they would go to bed, instead of getting into bed, he would sit in that chair and he would intentionally just for 15 minutes, he'd set the timer on his iPhone and him and his wife would just talk for 15 minutes every night before they went to bed. And he sat in the chair and the reason he sat in the chair, cause he knew if he got in the bed, he'd just fall asleep. You know what I'm saying? And so he made an intentional habit. You know, in our house, we don't have a chair by the bed, but we have a chair in in the home office where my wife does a lot of work in there and stuff. And so sometimes she'll be in there doing stuff and I'll just intentionally just go in there and sit in that chair. And she kind of knows when I come in there and sit in that chair, that means, hey, this is when we're going to talk and we're going to communicate with one another. And I don't know what it is for you and how you need to do it, but you need to get intentional about deciding that every single day we are going to communicate with one another. One way to do We challenged you to do this a few years ago is just to decide every day I'm going to pray with my spouse. Man, it's a hard one. I just got to be honest. Like I fail in this in our marriage, but I'm telling you when we're doing this, it's incredible what God does because it's kind of hard to stay mad at your spouse when you know you're going to pray with them, right? 
It's kind of hard to be tempted by stuff when you know you're going you know to pray with them. So you make it a daily decision, a habit in your life that you're going to communicate daily. Number two, write this one down. You're going to attend church weekly. Every week, as a family, as a marriage, husband and wife, you're going to make it a habit to come together and worship God together. And you're going to make this a regular thing in your life. And I know some of you are going, well, Pastor, like we've gone to church together a few times and it didn't change our life. Well, here's the problem. A few times ain't going to change your life. I hope that my sermons are good, but they're still not good enough to change nobody's life. I'm just saying. It's not in the once or twice or every now and then. You know what it is? It's in the habits. It's in the every single week. And you know what happens when you set aside Sunday to worship together? It resets your whole mind and your whole spirit and your whole attitude for the week and towards one another and towards other people. And it communicates that God is first and that he is the center of our relationship. And I challenge you at the beginning of this year, I said, hey, what if this year you just committed yourself to say, we're not going to just go to church every once in a while. But but out of this year, there's 52 Sundays, at least 46 of them are going to be in church. I gave you a little leeway, six weeks, all right? And I'm going to challenge you with something else here today that I believe, I believe will really work. In fact, I'll almost guarantee it, all right? What if you decided that today, just give us a year. Give us a year from now till next Valentine's Day and just do together as a, as a husband and wife, do everything that the church has to offer. Be here every Sunday, get in a life group, Go through the life track, find out what your gifts are, get involved on a life team and begin to serve together. Go to men's group, go to women's group, come on first Sunday for the first Sunday nights. Get involved and do everything just for one year and just see at the end of the year. I think it'll change your life and change your marriage if you will make this habit in your life. Come on, I'm preaching. Habits that will change your marriage and change your life. Communicate daily, worship together Weekly, number three, write this one down, is that you're going to date each other at least monthly. Now, I might be setting the bar a little bit low. You might, be, you might need to do this a little bit more than that, but I had the daily and the weekly, so I had to go monthly. It has to make sense right there, right? <laughs> but at least monthly, at least every month, you need to set aside some time for just you and your spouse. And I'm telling you, man, this, this will change everything. Because you know what happens when you first start, you first fall in love, you get those starry eyes for that special one or whatever. Guys, especially, you know what we do? And what we do is we chase them and we open the car door for them. We take them out for a date and we court them and we do all of that. And then when finally, like they say I do and we get married, it's like, all right, check that off. I caught her, you know. Now I got to go chase other stuff. Like I chase my career, I chase my hobby, I chase money or whatever. And we stop chasing after our wife and stop courting her. And that's why there's problems in our marriage. You got to start, Hey, I'm going to set aside at least once a month, some time for us to just be together. And we want to help you with this. In fact, we know Valentine's day is this week. It's on a Tuesday night. So we just moved it to Friday night, this coming Friday night. We have childcare here at the church that the youth is going to be putting on, helping to raise money for their, uh, for their missions trip. You can donate if you want. You don't have to. We're wanting to make this available for you so that you can have four hours together, husband and wife. In fact, we even helped you by putting in, sometimes you go on a date and you don't know what to talk about. You don't want, don't know what to do in your worship guide today. We gave you a little, just a little fun thing for a date night. Take that. Follow those instructions. It gives you some questions to talk about, some stuff to do. Take that and do that this Friday night. In fact, let me just give you a couple tips about a good date night. You want a couple tips? All right. The first one is this. You didn't say you wanted one, but I'm going to tell them anyway. (laughs) First one is this. You need to have a little bit of time where where you are eye to eye. 
Guys, your spouse needs this from you. We're just eye to eye. You're talking to one another. You're communicating with one another. You're not talking about work. You're not talking about you're sharing your dreams and your hopes and stuff like that with one another, eye, eye to eye. But you know what? Another part of a good date is, is that you have a little bit of time where you're side to side. You're hand to hand. You're doing something fun together. Women, your men need this. Man, you need, you need to have you going bowling or you're going hiking or you're going to top golf or you're doing something together. And here's what's so cool. If you have a little bit of eye to eye and a little bit of side to side, I promise you, you'll have a little bit more belly button to belly button. I'm just saying. You're welcome. Hashtag you're welcome. I'm telling you, about nine months from Friday night, we're going to have to add on to the nursery. I'm just saying, you're going to create these habits in your life. My daughters are sitting on the front row right now. You're going to create these habits in your life. Last one, number four, check this one out, is that you're going to get away together every year. Get, get, get away together every year. Now, I know some of you are going, I can't do that. We don't have time for that. We don't have money for that. I'm telling you, it is an investment that will make a difference. In fact, about three years ago, our pastor's council here at the church came to us and said, hey, we want to give you something to your family and to your marriage that be besides your normal vacation time. We want you and Amber to take seven days, just you and Amber, no kids, no nothing else, to just get away and just to pray together, to reconnect, to have fun together, to do that. I'm telling you, we've done that the last three years, and it is life-changing. Some of you are going, I don't got seven days to be able to get away, just me and my spouse. Well, it doesn't have to be seven days. Thank the Lord for seven days. That's awesome. But even one day or two days, we just get away where it's just you, no kids, no work, no nothing else, just the two of you. You know, I can't afford that. Hey, you can't afford not to. And it doesn't have to be something super expensive. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You just need to spend the time together. And I'm telling you, you add these habits to the hope that God wants to give. You get people around you to help you. And you can have the kind of marriage that God intends for you to have. Some of you came in today. You said, man, there's no hope for me. I'm telling you, there's hope. There's hope. But you're going to have to work. You're going to need to get people around you to help you. And when that happens, man, I'm believing. I'm praying that you're going to leave this place filled with hope, but not just hope in your heart, but you're going to have some tools in your belt to be able to step out and have the kind of godly marriage that God intends for you to have. Amen. 